0: Some of you have already let me know how uncomfortable you were in last week's meeting. So tonight, we're gonna to try to respect each other's boundaries. But tonight we've also got a guest with us. David, would you like to introduce yourself? Perfect. Todd, yes, I. Daughter and I went to the mall and she said she wanted to take the stairs to the second I said I don't cross stairs
1: because they're always up to something. Todd, I'm sorry that happened. I encourage you to try to resist the urge to make jokes like that. My job? My job? Yesterday, I said my daughter
0: got told and she asked me I said, oh, the guy tried to sell me a coffee. That's for us. And I I not know David, how about you? Oh, i I just going to say Just Yeah, I guess I'm just scared of being a dad. I'm afraid I'm going to start telling bad jokes just like my head.
1: Hey, speaking of nature, I tried to catch some fog yesterday. I missed.
0: M-I-S-T. You're a monster. This is where the boundary is. This is where you are. Hello? Really? Okay, yeah, no! Uh, Yeah, I'm here right now! That was really The water just broke. I guess maybe finally ran out of war. Do in the seasons. Walking your family through whatever came up you Sometimes they just ordinary.
2: I also about sometimes. Celebrate everybody's birthday. Is that? It?
0: He said
2: through it together, but uh, always miss having one of our one of our components, one of our pieces with us. Uh, because We are a little family up here, and, and uh, kind of, he'll be all right. We pray for him. He has some comfort today, and he's back in his feet and feeling better tomorrow. Um, one of the other things that uh, goes along with the announcement about the Bats family means that they will not be able to join us in August, which we were looking forward to, because they'll be in Canada. But that's important uh, next year planning a trip home, and uh, they'll come and join us then, and by then, hopefully, we'll have some great th- stories about what God has really been doing in their lives as they've prepared to uh, take that ministry and mission to Togo, Africa, that God has called them to. So, I want you to go with me very briefly today. We're still continuing in the book of Galatians. <laughs> We're going to be in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11, We've just been making our way through there, and, and Paul, at this point in this letter, is still... Laying the foundation for what he's about to say. Because what he's about to say to this group of Christians at the churches in Galatia is going to be upsetting. There's already a schism within the church, which, um, which we've talked about this before. There's We have a sense today of great division among the church. And I think that's true. But... Um, we're seeing, I think, the seeds today, especially in our young people, of deconstruction, evangelicalism and and I don't blame this generation for walking through those things right now because uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why here in just a minute. But in many ways, the church has handed them a false gospel, and that's exactly what Paul is talking about in this text. Is he's But but remember, we're just at about 65 to 80 A.D., somewhere around in here, and already there's division in the church. Already there's a schism that has developed in one of the earliest places where the gospel was taken, where people received the truth of who Jesus Christ is, who he said he is, from his own mouth, God in the flesh, the salvation for our lives, the, the, the sacrifice for our sins and the securer of our destinies and purpose, he said these things of himself, and these people have received that gospel, and already, just within even less than one generation from Christ's presence, there's division in the church. That says less about the church than it does about humanity. Is that If we can find a way to disagree about something, we will find it. We tend to be, on the whole, a disagreeable kind of We think that our ways are the best. Now I'm speaking uh, in a micro term now, me, you as an individual. We tend to project on other people that our way of thinking is the right way of thinking. Our way of doing something is the right way of doing something. In leadership, this can be a real real problem, something I definitely struggled with a lot more as a young leader, um, but still struggle with today, which is, um, and the greatest example right now is, we have a, we have a row of tech people back there. <laughs> it's awesome. This is fantastic. Um, in the not-too-distant past, there weren't very many of us touching any of this equipment around here, just a, two or three people. And that was sometimes a burden. But I can also remember back in an earlier incarnation of me, and this is one of the things I look at when I think, is the gospel of Jesus Christ making a difference in Tracy's life I say, am I a different person than I was five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago? And here's one area that I can identify, which is sometimes the reason we didn't have a lot of people working on things because they didn't do it the way I wanted it done. I wasn't happy. Which meant I had to do it. And I've had that, you've probably had this thought, you've had this saying, I've said this a lot of times in my life, and sometimes it's still true, sometimes it's still true, which is, if I have to do too much explaining to you of how to do something, I may as well What? Do it myself! <laughs> the flaw in that thinking, of course, is it depends on the immediacy of the project and the long-term gain that you want. And so I look back at these lovely people back here who have invested so much time, and we've invested a lot of time together. I look at Jan down here doing computer work that she does here, and she does other work for me outside of this environment that helps us do our newsletter and things like that. It took time for us to, to together... To get you to that place and to get you folks to that place doing what you do now that you're and now you're doing it amazingly, and I generally don't have to think about it a lot. But sometimes the reason that doesn't happen in our lives in different areas is because we don't take the time to invest the truth about what we want someone to know because it's it's time consuming, it's difficult, or sometimes it could be ego driven job security right I've worked with a couple of people who our bosses wanted us to cross train and they would not share information about what they did because they were sure that if someone else knew how to do what they did they would become obsolete generally people who are like that are also not good workers and so they're right because when someone else who does have a good ethic learns what they're doing and figures out that they're not really doing it as well as they could be they do tend to fall off the other side and that's just the way life works But we tend to be people who are projecting onto others that what we've come to know, what we've come to believe, is what is right, and anything that they think is not correct. And when we come to that place, what we end up being is we end up being very disagreeable about most everything. And I think in our culture today, we may be experiencing that more than we have in any other time in our history. Disagreeableness, the the inability... To discuss. But I want to bring it back to Paul's context here and how that might apply to us today. And so we're going to work through these verses, most of it verse by verse, but, but not every bit of it. And then I want to give you a, a, an idea, a thought, and that maybe God can work with in our lives about how we're approaching our life in Christ and how we're communicating to others about life in Christ. All right? So, starting in verse 11. Now, remember before this, Paul has said, um, he's he's kind of given his bona fides, and he's going to do a little bit more of that. And this is unusual. In most of the letters, Paul doesn't spend a lot of time doing this, where he says, um, I want to remind you who I am. And he's not doing it from a place of pride. And we know that because we see so many other places in Paul's writing where he says things like, Of all the sinners, I'm the biggest, he says. There's nobody better at sinning than me. Um, he calls himself a humble servant. Um, he says that his, his best works are like filthy rags. So Paul is not being filled with pride here when he's putting down kind of his bona fides. His, he's putting his CV out to these folks and saying, here's who I am, remember who I am because what I'm about to tell you is going to be difficult for you to hear for some of you. And so he's laid those out. He also gave a very succinct description of the gospel, of who Jesus is and what he did and what the belief of a a Christian should be. And by the way, what I'm going to give you this morning is not what I think. I'm just giving you what the Bible says and then attaching an idea to it for us to think further. And that's the difference. It's not something that I've come up with on my own. I'm just trying to, to, to sort out what we've been given as the written word of God for us to be guided by as Christian believers today. All right, so he, he lays some of this foundation, and he continues to do some of this. But the last thing that he said at the end of Pastor Jason's uh, text last week was, I'm not doing this to make people happy. I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. I'm just trying to tell the truth as God has revealed it. And now here he's going to talk about that revelation. And he says some pretty astounding things that maybe we haven't thought about. So verse 11, Galatians chapter 1 verse 11 says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. It's not man's gospel. Now, we know gospel means what? Good news. Good news, all right? So, he's contrasting what has been revealed to him by God with what is generally revealed in humanity. And he's then going to talk about them in specific terms as he gets deeper into this letter. But we're going to touch on it some already. So, the the gospel that he's trying to communicate to them, he's setting all of this up to say this difficult thing, understand, he says, that this isn't something somebody else told me, but this was revealed to me by God. Now, I saw a great tweet yesterday uh, on my timeline that I identify with a lot, and it's something that has been a guiding principle for us here. We're in a different time here as far as the way in which God worked with humanity and with the apostles and with the disciples. And remember, Paul had this Damascus Road experience. It wasn't just other Christians who were communicating to him the truths of God. He had a one-on-one personal encounter with Jesus Christ in order to call him to this ministry. But the tweet that I saw yesterday said, "If if I say the words, God told me, I'm about to read to you something from the Bible. Because God is not giving, I don't believe, New revelation today, and he certainly is not giving new revelation today that contradicts revelation he's already given. That would be counter to the nature of God, because God does not want to cause confusion. So we can trust the words of Paul here, because of the way in which it was revealed to them, this is what he says. So in verse 12, it's not man's gospel, verse 12, For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it.
0: Hmm,
2: that's, that's a lot to take in. Okay. So we see in verse 12 that Paul says that he received this revelation, this truth from God directly, and it was in that encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, and then in an intervening time that I'm going to mention here in just another. Another second. Um, so, not by any other person. It was not an instantaneous revelation, however. Much like we would encounter in our lives today as we become a Christian, there comes a time where we become aware that God is drawing us to Him. And we respond to that and say, I believe. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that he will come again. I believe in the name of Jesus. We just sang that last week, the creed. Those things that scripture teaches us are the essentials to call ourselves a follower of Christ. At some point, those of us who are Christians came to a place where we agree with those, we believe those. God has drawn us to him, and that is an instantaneous rescue by God from our sins. But that is not the complete work that God intends to do in our lives as believers, right? Jason has, uh, I think, for me, the the best analogy of that. If we treat our Christianity that way, if we treat following Christ in that way, and I think a lot of what has been communicated in the modern evangelical church and evangelistic movements has been, has resulted in this. What we teach is an easy believism. We teach an easy entrance into salvation with nothing to follow. And yet the Bible teaches us that we come to Christ, he rescues us, and then he calls us to a life of sacrifice. Right? Doesn't he say daily, what? Take up your cross and follow me. If any man wants to be my disciple, he must lay down his life every day. Service to Christ—that's what Jesus said. But Jason's analogy is, uh, and I think—I think this actually came to you when we were at the pastors' conference, right? We went to Universal Studios. It's kind of what—it just resonated with you. Uh, Jason had never been. This is what—gosh, almost 20 years ago. Jason, can you believe that? No. There we go. Um, so so we went I won't tell you all of that story if you can tell you parts so of it a few <laughs> but um, we were kind of in a course of deconstruction in our own faith and in our own beliefs kind of going uh, a lot of it was because the church stuff that we were involved in had just blown up it was what was stable for a season it just became completely unstable relationships were lost friendships were lost um, incomes were lost areas of service were lost, and we were just sort of drifting for a while. And we started to question this faith that we had built. And uh, there were some great things that happened at this conference, some great truths that were imparted to us. And we mentioned Dallas Willard. He was kind of our our, our hero at the time. and since passed on, but uh, he had a great influence on us. But there was this conversation about confession versus belief. You can say you believe something, but until you actually take action, you haven't proved that you believe anything is cheap, right? Faith without works is dead. And so he said, you know, the the version of salvation that that we've been presenting to people is like like going to Universal Studios, waiting in line and, and getting your ticket. And you're so excited. This is great. I've never been here before. I get my ticket, and I go in through the turnstile, and then for the rest of the day, I just stand there going, wow, this is great. But I don't take any of the tours. stuff, I just got my ticket, I'm in, but I don't experience anything. And there's a version of Christianity that that we collectively have been selling that results in that kind of attitude. And Paul is, is sort of talking about the same thing, and it not only results in that kind of attitude, but it leads to something else. It's really where I want to get to, which is legalism and works-based salvation, even though we say it's not. A lot of times what we communicate to people, and especially to our children, is that God is pleased with them if they're good. And when we do that, we short-circuit the message of the Bible, which is that no one is good, but God's grace is enormous for everyone. That's what Paul's getting at here. So he says it wasn't through a revelation, but it also wasn't instantaneous. All It was through revelation, not from man, but it also wasn't this instantaneous impartation of all of the truth that he's about to lay out. Because what, what it says, is, in fact, he tells us here shortly that, that after he believed, he had this encounter, he then didn't talk to anyone. He says it here. After this, I didn't talk to anyone. I didn't go and meet the disciples. I didn't go to Jerusalem, which was the center of the Christian world at the time. Everything was coming out of Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem is where uh, Peter and the other disciples stood in the square and preached, and thousands and thousands of people, the Bible says, were added to the church every single day, people who received and believed in who Jesus Christ was. So that's, that's where the hub was, man. That's where the business was happening. But he didn't even go there. In fact, he went off into Arabia to Damascus, a place called Nabatea. It wouldn't be modern-day Arabia. It's a different place. And he stayed there for three years, learning about who Jesus is, reading the scriptures in a different way. And here's, here's what I mean by that. He says, you know about my former life. In Judaism. He says that in verse 13. He goes on to say, he goes on to say, paraphrased, I was a rock star. I was it. Among my peers, my own age, I was advancing faster than any of them. I was well respected. In fact, I was going to become one of the top-level teachers among the rabbis. Oh, and by the way, I was, also, I was also going into Jerusalem and finding Christians. Going out into the, the lands, the, the surrounding villages, finding Christians there. And I was binding them up in chains, and I was dragging them back to Jerusalem so that we could kill them in the name of Judaism. I was really the big deal. We find that in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Get that before me, Jay. But Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. This is who Paul was before he met Jesus. Highly educated, highly connected, very powerful, and violently opposed to the church of Jesus Christ. In verse fourteen, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my father, traditions. But verse fifteen, but it's a big but.
0: Come on, it's Father's Day.
2: like big butts in the Bible. (laughs) If we go to some of the older languages it's weird. And yet. Truly some of my favorite words in all of the Bible. Every time they show up like that in this kind of a context you're about to hear kind of work that God does in the lives of people who are killers and murderers and haters and liars and gossips and cheats and everything else you can think of that plagues humanity. And Paul has just made the confession about who he was. And now he's about to tell what happened. But when he had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles I did not immediately consult with anyone alright so there's that part where he didn't consult with anyone but I don't want us to run there too too fast because the, 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 the amazing stuff is what he says right before that He's setting the table. Remember, he's got a mission. This this letter has a purpose. He wants people to, to, to get down to the thing that he signed back. He's kind of upset. He's mad that they've been putting new old traditions onto the new covenant of Jesus Christ and telling people that they have to go back and do the old things of the old religion in order to make God happy. They have to be good, follow the rules in order for God to love them. That's legalism. And it's not good news. In fact, we're reaping the terrible harvest of that among our churches now. Because even if we didn't mean it that way, so much of what we've presented in the modern evangelical church has been, if you check off this list of rules, you're okay with God. And then when young people start to grow up and discover that um, it's impossible to continually check all the boxes and not make mistakes, they become suspicious that God doesn't actually like them because they can't check off all the boxes. We've given them a false gospel because the true gospel is that no one is good enough, but God's grace is big enough every single time. And so here's the the incredible message Paul killer, murderer, actually stood by and watched while Stephen was stoned and kind of rubbed his hands All to him. God poured out his grace on him. God took pleasure. Did you see that? God was pleased to reveal his son to me. Now, in one way, that means that God, God was okay with letting me know about Jesus. That word pleased means more than. To those who were not Jews. Which is kind of funny, right? You would think the guy who was who was the big Jewish leader would be the one that you would tap to go in and speak to the rest of the Jews because he could make all the arguments about how the law of this and the law of that, the grace this and the covenant that and Jesus is this and prophecies that, because he knows it all. But that's God, right? I suggest to you that God's intention in your life looks very much the same, even though you and I are not Paul. But his desire that everyone would come to him means that God's approach to us each is very much the same. If we hear that call, if we Feel that drawing, we sense God's work within our lives, he is not calling us to tradition. He is not calling us to the law. He is calling us to grace and says to us, listen, I know you've messed it up. I know you keep messing it up. I'm, I'm aware. I've, I've got it figured out that you're going to keep messing some things up. Stop worrying about the check boxes and start worrying about just allowing me to care for you love you and renew you. You see, the true work of the gospel is not for us to do good works because we're supposed to. The true work of the gospel is that good works spring forward out of us because God is transforming us from the inside out. We naturally become people who do naturally the things that God would do in our lives. It's not a put on. It's not a setup. It's not a checklist. It's who we become, and becoming is never instantaneous. It's a journey. It's a process. It's a course. Paul says, "What? I've run the race. I finished the course." Scripture says, "Those who endure when to the end receive that salvation." We pursue, we persist, we endure, becoming who God wants us to be. And that's why verse 16 he says the first thing that he did after he had this experience that God revealed all these things to him He poured out his grace. He called him to a purpose and revealed Jesus to him. He said, the first thing I did was I talked to no one. And he just went and spent time with God. You get a little bit of a glimpse of this in Acts chapter 22, uh, verse 17 through 21. A lot of scholars think that this is the, the catalyzing event. Uh, verse 17, he says, When I had returned to Jerusalem was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance, and I saw him, God, saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem, because they will not accept your testimony about me. So he had, a, he had an intent in his mind that he was going to go and hang out with everybody else, and God was like, eh, I, that's not a good idea. Now, why do you suppose that would be? Why was that not a good idea? <laughs> Think back to the story. Hey, that's that Paul guy. You know, my mother was a believer. She was in the town of Galilee, and Paul and his guys came in, and they dragged her out into the street, and he stoned her. Said so I have some work that I need to do in him. Let's do that first, and then this is what happens. Verse eighteen, back in Galatians chapter eleven. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But still, I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And then, because he knows, people are going. This can't be true. Verse twenty. And what I am writing to you, before God, I'm not lying. This is really what happened. And then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and i was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. So he visited none of the churches or the apostles or the disciples or any of the groups. He still visited none of them except for James, the Lord's brother. And I have suspicion why he visited James, the Lord's brother. Because James knew about Jesus. Right? Who better to ask than his brother? They were only hearing it said, verse 23, so they, all of the churches, all of the regions, even into Jerusalem, the center of Christianity at the time, they only were hearing it said that he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. God, because of me. Now, let me ask you if they've not met him post conversion, if he's not ministered among them, if he's not given his testimony directly to them, how are they able to glorify God about him when they have not seen him, they have not known him, they've not seen his transformation? Because of this. And this is why he's poking at the people of Galatia because they're about to go off the track on this and back into legalism and tradition. The reason that all of those other places could glorify God because of what they've heard about Paul is not because they've seen anything that he's done. They've not really they've heard stories, but they haven't seen him with their own eyes. They haven't seen him in front of their own face and had a conversation with him about what God's done. They know it, they glorify, because they understand the power of God to transform lives, and they trust him to do it. And when they heard that Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ and that he was changed, they didn't sit back and go, well, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see if that's true. They went, God is great! God's grace is enormous.
0: It's sufficient for everyone. This is fantastic.
2: It really had nothing to do with his works from that time on. It had to do with the work of God from that time on. And this is where I think we mess it up in our own lives, we're not careful in the lives of our children. As we try to impart to them a faith, we say that God's work in our lives is by grace, but then we put way too much emphasis on their behavior and not enough emphasis on God doing his work. We don't trust God to do his work. Now, I say you just let your kids run wild. No, that's stupid. You're there to be a a sounding board and a guide and a stopgap sometimes, Right? But on this this parent day, Father's Day, and every other parent day, it's, it's a timely message for us to remember that it is not our work to do in the lives of others. And no amount of work they can do will guarantee their salvation. It is solely, sola gratia, the sole work of the grace of God. And we must trust Him to do the work. We guide, we help, iron sharpens iron, we do that. But when we set up rules and regulations and lists and expectations of behavior, many of which are not rooted in any kind of scriptural mandate, we communicate a gospel that says your works are the pathway, not the grace of God. And then we wonder why, when they get older, they want to abandon a works-based salvation. Because it's not the gospel. It's not good news. Because I will fail. You will fail. And the only refuge we have that God provides is not then in turning around and doing better and bigger and greater good works. The only refuge we have is to turn around and rest again in the grace of God who says, That's why grace. Works are not the pathway. Works are the natural result of the work of God in our lives. And it will not be instantaneous. We love, as evangelicals, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and sometimes 10, we tend to focus on Eight and nine. But how we can love this passage so much and then turn around and be legalistic and rule setting and list making blows my mind. Because this is absolutely tough.
1: It's literally the opposite.
2: For by grace you have been saved through faith. Question. And this is not your own doing. You hear that? Say that with me. This is not your own doing. Mm -hmm. Keep going. It is the Mm -hmm. gift Mm -hmm. of God. God. Keep going. Not a result of works so that no one can boast. And I love this. Will we? Oh, man. (laughs) Man, it's sneezing every day. Bless you. Be the gold dust falling from the ceiling. Uh, okay. For we are his workmanship. You see that? It's, you're not the workman. He is. You're his creation. You're his design. You're his masterpiece. That, the chisel video. You are God's masterpiece. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. See, I never said good works are bad. I'm just saying good works are not salvation. Good works are, are a result of salvation. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand.
0: <laughs> Isn't that exciting?
2: That we should walk in them. I have a, a plan and a purpose for you. And the entrance into that purpose is to. and then allow him, this is, the big word is sanctification. To be sanctified the in daily increase in holiness because the presence of God is within you. And you naturally become who he is. That's the gospel. That's the course of the Christian. That's So, we're going to close out with uh, this video and then uh, sing a couple of songs. We might get kicked off. All right. If you're with us online, here's what we're going to do. Because I want this video now. And YouTube might. So, uh, thank you, Jeremy. If we get the warning, just stop streaming, but don't kill the live feed. Does that make sense? And then come back when the video's over. And we have the links in the chat, in the description, so you can go watch this video on your own. But we'll watch it live here. And the song asks the question, Why me, Lord? It's an old song, old song. Chris Christopherson. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done? To deserve even one of the treasures I've Well, the fact of the matter is absolutely nothing. The real question is, why not you? Because God's grace is pursuing every one of you. The question is, will you receive? Will you follow? Will you be one of His? Let's watch this video, then we'll come back and we'll sing a little bit. Why not?